Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. It's March 2021, and I'm Jack Williamson. The issue of vitamin D supplementation has been extensively debated, with strong arguments in favour and against. The COVID-19 pandemic has further escalated this discussion. It has long been clear that groups that traditionally exhibit vitamin D deficiency or insufficiency, such as older adults and nursing home residents, and black, Asian and minority ethnic populations, are the same groups that have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Additionally, increased time spent indoors due to strict lockdown measures and shielding trigger concerns that some people might not obtain the necessary levels of vitamin D from sunlight. Today I'm joined by Professor Adrian Martineau, Clinical Professor of Respiratory Infection and Immunity at Queen Mary University of London, whose new research on the role of vitamin D in acute respiratory infection is published in our issue this month. Hi Adrian, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Jack. Could you start by telling us a bit about what was known about vitamin D and acute respiratory infections before you did your study? There's a body of laboratory evidence showing that vitamin D modulates immune responses to a variety of respiratory pathogens. Uh, The two key actions really uh, relate, first of all, to augmentation of innate immune responses uh, via diverse mechanisms, including promotion of autophagy, supporting generation of reactive oxygen and nitrogen intermediates, and also supporting expression of antimicrobial peptides. In addition to this action, uh, another important effect of vitamin D is to regulate inflammation, both directly via down-regulating expression of interferon gamma and other type 1 uh, cytokines, uh, and also indirectly by promoting uh, regulatory T-cells, which make IL-10 and dampen down inflammation. So this combination of uh, antiviral and regulatory activity seems to make it of interest in preventing respiratory infections, particularly those where the host response can cause a deleterious effect. That was the laboratory evidence. And, and based on this, a number of epidemiological studies are being done, observational studies linking low vitamin D status, low 25-hydroxy vitamin D levels, to increased risk of acute respiratory infections. And a lot of these showed uh, independent associations between vitamin D deficiency and increased risk of acute respiratory infection uh, that were robust to adjustment for multiple confounders. So on the basis of this, uh, a number of us uh, in the uh, respiratory infection research community set about doing randomised controlled trials to see whether giving vitamin D supplements to people at risk of acute respiratory infection could reduce their risk of infection. And by 2017, some 25 of these RCTs had been done, uh, enrolling more than 10,000 patients. We meta-analysed data from those and published them in a a IPD, or Individual Participant Data Meta-Analysis, in the BMJ back in 2017. And in the interim, since uh, since that publication three years ago, a number of additional trials have come out, uh, some 21 new trials, with some 30,000 additional participants and we have now done a new meta-analysis to bring it up to date. Could you walk us through the key findings of your study? So the study was an aggregate data meta-analysis in which we got hold of aggregate data from trials, but stratified according to baseline vitamin D status. So we contacted each investigator of the trial to uh, get these data, and that allowed us to do subgroup analyses looking at whether or not uh, vitamin D effects were modulated by various participant characteristics. And the headline result was that when we meta-analysed data from the trials, we still saw an overall protective effect of vitamin D against 
uh, acute respiratory infection with an odds ratio point estimate of 0.92. That works out at a risk ratio of uh, 0.968. In other words, it's a small effect, just a 3.2% risk reduction. What we also showed was that there was a high degree of heterogeneity, uh, as illustrated by the I-squared statistic of 35.6%. So in other words, we showed that vitamin D works in some situations, but not in others. And we then went on to do some subgroup analyses to explore the reasons for that heterogeneity. So with these sub-analyses, you looked at different things, such as the effects of vitamin D supplementation on things like baseline vitamin D status, vitamin D dose, dosing frequency, trial duration, and age enrollment. Could you briefly tell us about what these sub-analyses showed in your study? So first of all, we were interested to see whether the way that vitamin D was given affected how its efficacy for preventing acute respiratory infection. And the first thing we looked at was dosing frequency. Our previous analysis had shown that bolus doses were less effective than daily or weekly pooled. We now have power to dissect out daily and weekly dosing. And what we found is that protection is seen with daily dosing studies, but not with weekly dosing or with monthly dosing studies. The second thing we looked at was the amount of vitamin D that's given. And to our surprise, what we showed was that protection tended to be associated with studies in which moderate doses of vitamin D had been given. The daily dose equivalent of 400 to 1000 units per day, that's 10 to 25 micrograms per day. With studies which gave higher doses than that, tending not to show protection. And this was unexpected. We also looked at study duration and showed that studies which tended to be shorter tended to show protection. And the reviewers asked us to do an exploratory analysis looking at the effect of age. And when we ran that, we saw that children aged 1 to 16 years tended to experience protection, whereas the other age groups didn't. So then when we basically picked that sweet spot of daily supplementation with 400 to 1,000 units per day for less than 12 months, and we looked just at those trials, we saw that the odds ratio for protection was 0.58, which equates to a risk reduction of 24%. Just going off that, do you know why the high levels of vitamin D supplementation weren't as effective as moderate levels of vitamin D supplementation? No, that's a conundrum uh, and one that we are currently investigating with an ongoing trial where we're comparing the effects of 800 units versus 3,200 units versus control. Uh, so we hope to have some information about that uh, later in the year. In your study, you didn't see a protective effect of vitamin D supplementation in participants with the lowest levels of vitamin D at baseline. This result seemed to contradict results from your previous meta-analysis. Could you speculate on why this might have been? And more generally, could you talk about why studies on vitamin D and acute respiratory infections have produced such varying results? I agree that it was a surprise uh, that we didn't show greater protection in those who had lower vitamin D status at baseline. A priori, we'd expected that, and that's what we demonstrated in our BMJ 2017 uh, meta-analysis. One possible reason for that is that since our 2017 meta-analysis, uh, three very large trials have emerged, all of which recruited significant numbers of participants with low vitamin D status at baseline, um, and all of these used non-daily regimens. So uh, one trial we did in 8,851 children in Mongolia, half of whom were profoundly deficient, utilised weekly dosing. Uh, and then there was another study uh, from New Zealand and another one that we did in the UK that used monthly dosing. Uh, and those three studies contribute a lot of the weight to that subgroup analysis. So it may be that the dosing interval was non-optimal, may have actually uh, extinguished a signal that was previously seen. 
In terms of the underlying reasons for heterogeneity, I think they probably most likely relate to dosing factors and participant factors. So the dosing factors, as I say, relate to how frequently vitamin D is given, uh, how much is given and how long for. And the participant factors likely relate possibly to baseline vitamin D status and to potentially to other factors, including uh, body mass index. In the discussion section of your paper, you talk about limitations of your study, including things such as being unable to account for particular patient demographics, such as race and obesity. Are there any early indications that these factors might affect vitamin D supplementation for preventing acute respiratory infections? And lastly, what kind of trials would you like to see most in this area next? So there are preliminary data showing that uh, people with high body mass index and also people of black African origin living in northern Europe um, both respond uh, less vigorously to a a given dose of vitamin D in terms of their 25-hydroxyvitamin D response. For obesity, that's been hypothesized to relate to a, a distribution effect in that there's a higher volume of adipose tissue, which represents greater volume of distribution. Therefore, more vitamin D is needed to bring up the 25-hydroxy-D level in the circulation. The ethnic difference, which was reported uh, in a study in Finland and hasn't been replicated elsewhere yet, is more of a puzzle. We don't know the mechanisms uh, underlying that at the moment. Um, In terms of future research, I think it would be really valuable to take this meta-analysis forward and do an individual participant data meta-analysis. That would give us access to information on ethnicity and obesity, and we could look to see whether that those factors are indeed effect modifiers. Uh, I think the study revealed a, a conundrum and unexpected finding in terms of lower dose potentially being more effective than higher dose. And so that's an area for research, and we're currently doing a study looking at those two doses. And I think the $64 million question could vitamin D have a role in preventing COVID-19? And we're also doing a a study looking at that. The Coronavit trials randomised 6,200 patients in the UK. When I say patients, I should say participants, healthy people in the general population uh, to receive vitamin D or not. And we hope to see whether or not they have a reduced risk or severity of COVID-19 when that trial reports uh, in June of this year. You can read Professor Martineau's research now at thelancet.com. Thanks to Professor Martineau, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology, wherever you usually get your podcasts.